This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Basically, I'm your host Stephanie Preisner and you can hear from the smile on my face that it is Luke O'Neill in studio with me today. The man who needs no introduction, who is having his coffee and biscuits on his lunch break. Luke, how are you getting on? How's it going, Stephanie? Lovely to be here to see you. Both of us are smiling. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But I'm I'm also kind of half annoyed with you. Oh yeah, go on. Well, I don't know, like, it just thought that with, you know, like when I got vaccinated with measles, for measles or polio or any of the ones that I got surely it used to mean that you didn't get the thing that not just that you didn't die from the thing and I understand with COVID you know we got the vaccination and at least we're not going to die and hooray that's great and it is great because I know a lot of people even our producer Alan got COVID about two weeks ago he told me yep yep Um, but the fact are you a little bit disappointed that people who are vaccinated can get it and spread it. No, because we thought it would be like the flu, remember? So you have a booster shot with the flu every winter and this is a respiratory virus. It's not like measles, you know. So I'm not that surprised that we're going to need some kind of booster protocol and uh, and that will happen and it's perfectly organisable. Our own government have said it will be given with the flu shot this winter for the old, not for everybody, you know. Yeah. Over 60s, it looks like at the moment. They're still debating who, who exactly should And is that because they're not going to vaccinate us as a population or because ethically we need to give our vaccines you to somewhere? You don't need to. Really good science that you already know. So there's literally in that every day I get new science on this. So if you're young and healthy and under 60, you get a great immune response to the vaccine. Uh, they've measured it six months out, by the way. Now, we haven't got like mm-hmm. a year's data. Huge immune response six months out. Great antibodies, great T-cells. So if you're under 60, you're going to be pretty well protected into the future. We don't know quite how long for. It could be another six months. It could be a year. It could be several years. Some vaccines, we boost for tetanus, as you may know already. You know, yeah. It depends on the on, on the germ in many ways, whatever the pathogen is. So so I, I would anticipate over 60s we'll get a booster every winter. Under 60s, probably not. So, the so in other words, you're going to be all right. You, you won't need to get a shot unless you sort of are immunodeficient in some way or other, you know. And what's the story? Like, is Delta presenting a huge, like we couldn't have anticipated this? Delta's changed, as you know, things for definite because it's so much more transmissible. It doesn't make you any sicker, necessarily. It just spreads like wildfire. Now, again, that may not be that bad a thing. And I keep reminding people of this. So the the first time I came across COVID myself, it wasn't even called COVID in January of 2020. Mm -hmm. I met a coronavirus expert. German guy and I said to him what's this about this virus in China because I'd read about it in the scientific yeah. literature he said well it's nothing great he says we won't get out of this until 70% of our people are either vaccinated or have been infected that's the way out of this our people as in the, the globe. world Oh wow! Okay. And I said, "What are you talking about?" Seventy five. Oh yeah, he says there's a, there's a reasonable bet that that's the level. Now with with Delta, it's probably eighty percent because it's more transmissible. So that means you got to get a wider coverage of protection. And again, this morning, news hot off the press: natural infection is giving you great protection, maybe better than the vaccine. Okay. We didn't quite anticipate that. Now vaccines are normally better than the natural. And is it natural thing. infection when you're vaccinated? No, no. Just, just normal natural, natural infection. infection. It was a great study done in Israel. They managed to follow people who were naturally, they weren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Great response, you know, and stronger than the vaccine. 
So that's good because that means that uh, it'll be a combination then of natural infection and vaccination. Does that mean that if you've had the thing, you don't need to get vaccinated? They're still recommending it just in case. Because remember, we're all different and there's a diversity of responses. Some people are failing uh, in terms of the vaccine, possibly because they're immunosuppressed, didn't realise it. In other words, the vaccine didn't take in them. Right, okay. You get variation. See, some people respond very well. It's always a what we call a Gaussian curve, you know. So so like, like most medicines and most things, you'll see a range of responses. So the best bet is go for the optimum, mm-hmm. which will be take the vaccine. And is, is it the case now that because we're vaccinating so many people in Ireland, like we've been great, that we're now kind of pushing the virus into the... Because un- the virus wants to spread, right? Yeah. So, and if it's not really spreading so efficiently among us vaccinated people that we're sort of pushing the virus into the unvaccinated population and they're even more susceptible than they previously were. Well, if ever there was a case to take the vaccine, we have it now in front of us because what's happening is this. Delta is still able to grow in your nose if you're vaccinated. And that's a slight disappointment. In other words, the vaccine isn't driving what's called sterilising immunity. Now, the word sterilising means you're sterile from the virus. Yes. Delta means it's so transmissible, a little bit will grow in your nose. Now, luckily, if it gets into your lungs the immune system kills it and therefore you don't get sick. But still, you're now infectious. So this is why we see people who have like kind of colds and flu symptoms who are testing positive. That's testing positive, yeah, precisely. Yes, okay. Now, if you come across someone who's unvaccinated and you're vaccinated, there's, you a, risk, there's a risk to them. But yeah, they get the, full on COVID. And then they haven't got the vaccine, so it could go to their lungs. And that, it may be very damaging to them. So again, the case has always been take the vaccine as your best bet, really. So you're quite right. Eventually, the only people who will be getting really sick are the unvaccinated people. And in fact, in Israel, again this week, uh, there's people in hospital in Israel now. And remember, they were very good because they had mass vaccination. Yeah. Big uptick in cases, first of all, because of Delta. Secondly, there are more people in hospital. The vast majority are unvaccinated. So how do you... So we have, like, how many people in ICU? I think, like, 52 at the time of recording. Yeah. How do you feel about those numbers? Like... Well, it's gone up, hasn't it? And we don't want that to happen. But it's like a bad flu season in some ways. 61 patients in ICU at the time of recording and 1,866 cases in a day. Yeah, so clearly what's happening there is two things. One is the unvaccinated are ending up in hospital. Secondly, people are vaccinated and the vaccine mightn't have worked on them because timing when they were given it they might be slightly immunodeficient they might have underlying diseases which means that the vaccine hasn't worked quite so well on them or indeed they um, you know whatever the vaccine begins to wane a bit in some people you see so so we will see people in hospital who are vaccinated but remember the chance of them progressing is a lot less than the ones who aren't but we'd like these numbers to come down the reason why it's high is that the virus is still out there there's still a lot of people unvaccinated in Ireland you see so it'll keep it'll keep spreading as long as that's the case but even when we have all people in Ireland vaccinated we need to be very concerned about like third world I mean third world isn't even a phrase anymore but like lower income countries who haven't managed to vaccinate as many people because that's where variants can that's right the two I keep saying this before, the two remaining concerns, and we know what they are, which is really good, actually. So the enemy is well known by now. We've we've had the damn thing for a year and a half, so we know exactly what this virus is like. We know where it lives. We know how it changes. We know the mutation rate. We know how to treat it, remember. Two things are the booster campaign will have to start in the vulnerable and the older people. Secondly, get the world vaccinated. They remain the two key goals. And if we do both of those, the pandemic will end. And is there a sort of a conflict between those two goals? Because as we use our, like, which is the priority? Is it at the same time? So we need to, like, give our excess vaccines to the third world 
or to vulnerable people here, but not to like the young and healthy people here. It's a, it's a viciously difficult question, isn't it? If, if vaccine supply is tight. Yeah, which is it? Is it we, now? Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, I saw as well this week, uh, they're going to have 22 billion doses made in the next of which? year. Combination of different. And are there any ones that are proving to be more or less efficient against Delta? Well, you've got to say the RNA vaccines are at the top of the class. And we knew that early on, actually, and they, 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 they never disappoint the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. They're the, most, the best vaccines ever invented, it looks like, incredibly, in terms of how they're performing. I mean, five billion people have now had one shot of a vaccine in the world. Isn't that incredible? Five billion. 25% of the world is fully vaccinated. That's another thing that's striking. Now, they're mainly in, in Ireland and West, they're not, they're, not, they're not in the developing country. But isn't that amazing? So we've managed to vaccinate 25% of the world's population with a new virus that only was discovered last January, 12 months. You know, So we got 25 Now, let's get up. If we get that 25%, up to 50. We're in a great place because the other 25 have natural infection, you see. see remember the number 70? Oh, yeah. So if we get to 80 and that'll be of the world's population, it'll be a combination of fully vaccinated plus having had it. That's a great result. I've no doubt at all then, by the way, that now the virus is definitely on the run, you know, so that, that, that's the goal. And you can see that happening in the next six to 12 months. It will depend on supply. And the big drug companies are saying we're going to make billions of doses. So let's hope that that happens. And how do you feel about like in Ireland, particularly the reopening? Like, do you think we should be more open now? Do you think we need to wait until we have more people vaccinated? Or like surely if we have, isn't it 80% we're vaccinated now? Yeah, and then and 90 then, they're saying actually. So And I think, then the people who got it. Like there must be a very, I mean, they shout very loud, but the unvaccinated people must be Everyone who is unvaccinated must be going to those marches because it looks like there's a lot of people at <laughs> That's them. That's right. But it must be all Well, I, as you know, I'm of the view you can't force vaccinations. No, of people. course. It has to be a choice. So 10% will not take the vaccine or they can't take it because they've got certain diseases and the vaccine doesn't work. We'd always have that 10% of our population unvaccinated for whatever reason. Now... 90% is great, remember? That's a great number to hit. And you reopen. And we're reopening anyway. I mean, I mean, as far as I can gather, the last thing we're waiting for now is entertainment, isn't it? In, indoor events. But like way, the way that we're know? reopened at the moment with the like vaccinated, vaccinated people sitting inside yeah. and unvaccinated people sitting outside. Like, do you think that that's something that's go. going to continue? That'll no? go, yeah. Once we get to 90%, watch. Then unvaccinated people you, can come in again. you won't need to show your vaccine cert anymore, you know, because the assumption is most are vaccinated. Okay. And it's, if it's your choice not to take the vaccine, then you risk getting infected in that restaurant. That's your decision. That's your way, decision. You know? Yeah, yeah. As long as the vulnerable ones in that ten percent are being careful, they'll have. To, they'll be careful anyway. They've got. They might have cancer. They might have other diseases. They're, they're inclined to be careful before the pandemic. So, so that, that's the way the world will become. So you don't think it, there'll ever be a thing? Because I heard about a school where, and it's only anecdotal, so it might not be true. Take it with a pinch of salt. Where unvaccinated kids are allowed in the canteen. No, no. no. Vaccinated kids are allowed in the canteen, and unvaccinated kids aren't. Yeah, I hate that now. <laughs> yeah, and any kind of. What's the word? Um, uh, making differences in school kids is not really great. I don't like that. Now, the bit, the next, okay, question number three. I did say there was two, but there could be more. Will we vaccinate the under 12s? Under 12s, that yeah. That becomes the next question. Now, there's arguments for and against that. Is I, it I wouldn't be doing it for the moment for definite because we should be giving that vaccine away because that's a much more important priority because it's a very benign disease in the under 12. So it's hard to justify vaccinating that age group. But is it about like unvaccinated, you know, Jimmy who's six getting it in school and then bringing it home to his vaccinated grandmother yep. but like still vaccinated people are ending up in hospital if now. the grandmothers have the booster right, I don't okay. need to worry there you know but at the moment 
there could be a concern there because th- there was evidence, and again, this is literally this week, after six months, if you're over 60, there's evidence of waning. Your immunity now, is now waning. Now, what waning means is slightly less antibodies, slightly less T-cells. There still may be enough to protect you. We, we don't know. These are called correlates of immunity. Didn't you, you tell me in the first or second podcast that there was no point in doing an antibody test because antibodies reduce anyway. That's right. Otherwise, yep. your body would be carrying around antibodies for every infection you've ever encountered. Yeah, and that's yeah, nonsense. Precisely. So you want to measure the B-cells, the cells that make the antibodies, right. and the T-cells. Uh, and you can measure those. They're difficult to measure, but they can be measured. Uh, but you're right, though. Antibodies aren't that informative. Because Although they are they, using it, though. I mean, there are people with loads of antibodies even three, four or five months after because the vaccine has been so powerful. But can you test if you've had COVID unknowingly with that? No. No. no, you, no. Well, you, well, you can test it by looking for the C and the B cells, actually. So that's one way to do it. That, that could have been the natural infection as well, though, I remember. So. While I have you here and I have your captive attention, I want to let you know that if you are a basically supporter, if you are a Headstuff Plus member... I have an opportunity for you. So from now on, I want to change how my show was introduced. Usually I say, hello and welcome to Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and today in studio I have, you know that bit, you've heard it all. From now on, I want a different podcast supporter to introduce my show because I really am grateful to the people who support the podcast. They mean that, you know, their five euro a month means that I can have a producer working full time on the show and... It's just, I really, really am grateful. So I'm going to give you an address and I want you to send a voice note that says, Hi, my name is Mary and I'm a Headstuff supporter. And the reason I like listening to the show is because blah, blah, blah. You are listening to Basically. And then I'll come in. So what I want you to do is send your voice note to www.speakpipe.com forward slash basically. That's speak, S-P-E-A-K, pipe, P-I-P-E, dot com forward slash basically. And when you go to that site, what comes up basically is this big button that says start recording and you just record directly into that and then it gets sent to us and then you will be introducing the show. Thank you so much for your support. While I have you, I want to tell you about another podcast that is on our network. It's called Potter Rooney and it is Joe Rooney, who you may know from... Father Ted or his endless career of, of of comedy and he's a really interesting guy and his podcast is basically an interesting guy interviewing interesting people. He has a long career where he's met interesting people, characters, people he's worked with and he's going to interview a different person every week, talk to them about their experience, their careers. It's a really nice one to just throw into your ears, go for a walk and listen to two great people chatting. Give it a listen. Hello, Joe Rooney here. Back in 2015, I recorded my first Potter Rooney. And since then, I've been chatting to people that I meet throughout my travels here and there all over the world, including Sean Locke, Mary Coughlin, Frank Kelly, Joanne McAnally, Owen Colgan, Shazia Mertza, Aidan Gillen and Kautra Reardon. But loads of people you'd never heard of who have very interesting tales to tell, including the sadly no longer with this Boston-based comedian, Barry Crimmins, who led a crusade against images of child abuse on the internet. Tracy Carroll, whose daughter Willow has the highest grade of cerebral palsy. Drogheda Homeless Aid. Christine Volset, a Norwegian singer-documentary maker who ended up hanging out with the young lads in inner city Dublin and riding bareback on a horse through the city streets. All these very interesting tales to tell, and all you have to do is skip the first six minutes of me talking rubbish. That's Potteroni. 
I have some questions from listeners. So an anonymous question. Uh, I got the Pfizer vaccine and I'm breastfeeding. Would any antibodies I build up get passed onto my newborn? It would. And that's the bonus in some ways of vaccines. And we've known that for decades now, uh, vaccinated people or even infected people. It's evolution, isn't it great? So the nursing mother puts antibodies through evolution into her milk to protect her baby. Isn't that tremendous? And it's the same with COVID. And they can detect those antibodies. Good studies showing a high level of antibodies in breast milk. And the, and the antibodies go into the baby and it's wonderfully protective because now you're, it's called passive immunisation is the word we use to that actually. So it's working great. Great. Question from Margaret Kyo about 12 to 15 year old kids. Is there any scientific evidence as to why children should not have the vaccine in the 12 to 15 age group? No. So, well... First of all, it's safe. Let's start with that. Pfizer did a 4,000 trial initially with 12 to 15 years. Perfectly safe. Very efficacious. And that, those numbers are great, by the way. If you see safety in 4,000, you can be pretty happy that it's going to be safe. So there's no, there's no reason not to give the vaccine to 12 to 15 year olds. And it's recommended, remember. All the health agencies say we should do it, which is, which is the thing to follow. How many kids in the age group 12-15 was the vaccine tested on and has there been any known side effects? Well, that was so, 4,000. 4, uh, there's more now, though. I mean, we, it's been in a few million in that age group now and again nothing to worry about so far which is great So there's no there's no known side effects No, not at no. the moment it's all holding up very well Will kids be discriminated against if they don't take the vaccine? Well, we don't want that for definite especially for education I, th- I think that the thing that's important for me to a few degree education is a right you know to exclude people from education in any way or activities in the educational environment is a big no-no, I think, because they're already excluded in different ways, aren't they? People yeah. are marginalised in all kinds of ways. So no, you wouldn't want to be doing that. I think that that's a mistake. So do you think in that case, knowing that in a school there will be vaccinated and unvaccinated children, that masks sort of need to be uniformly worn? That's the problem. So we need to keep observing the dreaded... Uh, public health guidelines for this period because there are still unvaccinated people around. Eventually, though, we'll have to stop those because, you know, we can't be doing this forever, can we? So you'd hope, though, that the 12 to 15 age group will we'll see a high level of vaccination there. And that, that's happening, remember? Yeah. I mean, the numbers are great. I mean, the thousands and thousands of them are getting vaccinated. Um, will the, is there any evidence to say that the menstrual cycle can be disturbed or affected as some girls will only be experiencing their periods for the first time at this age group? There is evidence in women of menstrual disturbance for definite after vaccination. Uh, and it's slightly more prevalent with this vaccine than other ones. That's partly because every woman's getting vaccinated. And you see it then more, you know. Yeah. And there does seem to be disturbance. And something to worry about. It doesn't affect fertility or anything like that. It's a transient. It's not a symptom, basically. It's yeah. You feel a bit rough and you might see a few features there you know now with the teenage girls uh, I don't I haven't seen any studies on that but it might it may, it'll probably be similar yeah I wouldn't have any fear though that if you vaccinate a, a young say a 13 year old that that might affect her a 13 year old who hasn't had her period yeah, yeah well, there's, no, there's no evidence of anything there and you wouldn't expect there's no mechanism for that see if you're a scientist and if you say to me X leads to Y I want to know how could that be yeah and when it how when can X and there's no plausible mechanism for these vaccines to affect menstruation in a negative way yeah because if, if you, you know look I mean. at the like component parts of it like the mRNA would say the mRNA vaccines like the spike protein your immune system deals with that right yep. the mRNA the is what's the part of it that stays kind of at the location site and yeah. then is well, you know, this is a good one, isn't it? So if you take this, this say the Pfizer-Moderna vaccines, it's yeah. a little tiny, tiny scrap of RNA. Now, our body is great at metabolising RNA quickly. We can break it down and get rid of it, okay? So it's in your body very, very transiently. And then it's in a little fatty bag, so it's inside a little sort of a 
we call it liposome, a little bag, and that goes into your muscle. The RNA then goes into cells in your arm and then it reads off the spike. And it is femtogram amounts of spike they've measured it, vanishingly small amounts of spike. You can hardly detect it. Mm-hmm. And the immune system is so sophisticated it can sense that tiny intruder and, it and gets, gets mobilised. Within a day or two, the vaccine's gone completely from your body. And the immune system is kicked off now. And then so the immune that's system why keeps dividing. scientists are saying like, there's literally nothing. Like when people are like, I want to see what the impact is in 12 years or 10 years down the road it's like well there's nothing, nothing that we know from science yeah, to yeah, have an yeah. impact that's, that's right. going to be hanging around for 12 there's, years there's no way you can imagine a thing that's been in your body for a day in tiny amounts would affect you 10 years later there's, yeah. there's no biological we have no evidence for that, yeah. for that you know? so a question from Carla as a parent I wonder is giving them a vaccine that they don't really need necessary if it's so vanishingly rare that they have a bad side effect that's that's the key question I suppose and especially with the under 12s um, the risk benefit ratio shifts away from vaccination if you're under 12 because if you get infected there's minuscule evidence of a severe disease and yet there's the rare cases of sadly of untoward effects in that age group and it's very rare to see nasty side effects but you know what I mean though so it yeah. shifts slightly away uh, the main reason to vaccinate the under 12s is to get rid of the damn virus from our community that's the main reason and the over 12s? S- similar but but then as you, as you go up in age the, the risk the virus is worse the, vi- the virus is slightly worse but once you get it really ramps up after you're 40 so you I know. guess her question is like you don't actually know that your kid won't need like you don't know how your kid is going to react to getting COVID no and, and we know in children some of them get long COVID and it's rare but mm-hmm. there are still consequences of being infected it's not completely benign in children let's put it that way so so she's saying I wonder about giving them a vaccine that they don't really need but I suppose so what are the factors here one for the greater good two that they actually might need it yeah but you don't know the main reason is the greater good the secondary reason is, is that there is a chance of the child being harmed by the virus. Low and all as that risk is, it's still a risk that's there. You know, so they're the two main reasons. But I'd lean more towards the greater good as, as the reason to do it. Then another question: Will there be fertility issues in young girls if they get the vaccine? No, again, no evidence for that. No yeah, evidence exactly. for that. Can you get one dose and get a cert and be covered well enough? No, I don't think so. You've got to complete the programme, basically. You know. Now, with Johnson & Johnson, it is one shot, although they are going to give boosters to that now, watch. They're going to give mRNA boosters. mRNA. Now, poor old AstraZeneca is now gone. Isn't it sad in some ways? Because it's still a very good vaccine. Now, we what do you mean issues. it's gone? Nobody's going to use that vaccine because the RNA vaccines trumpet, if I can oh. use that word. Right. You know? um, so all the boosters all over Europe, I saw this last night as I wrote my piece for our favourite newspaper, um, uh, they've all said RNA vaccines for boosters, no AstraZeneca. So, um, and it makes sense because it, so, it, it is a superior vaccine, even though it's only 10% superior. Does Will they give AstraZeneca to developing countries? Well, that's the sad part in some ways. We'll give the yellow pack version. Um, but it's still a great vaccine, AstraZeneca. I, I, I'd take it. If, if that was the only one available to me, I'd still be taking it. So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question now. Pfizer and Moderna have said we can make vaccines for the world now and they've got five factories including in Ireland making the Pfizer vaccine so they may well have enough billions that we won't need AstraZeneca isn't that strange I do feel bad for the women who made AstraZeneca I feel very sorry for Sarah Gilbert yeah who I, who I so know it was a great vaccine Catherine but it Green did and the whole team and I kind of feel like it had something to do with Brexit and the sort of anglophobe well, thing that developed they've written a great book which yes. I recommend vaxxers which I've read and it's a great story. Uh, now, what they the, they can be very happy, Stephanie. They've saved millions of lives already. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's good, isn't it? Let's face it. So yeah. e- even not, though it won't be like, the one that'll dominate, it's still, even a lot it's still of people, played its part. A lot of people here in that 
vulnerable cohort were given AstraZeneca yeah. and they seem to be responding oh, well absolutely. to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question from Elena Rourke. With so many people vaccinated, when will the isolation period be phased out, particularly in schools? So like, if you get COVID, how yeah. long you have to isolate? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I think, so if, it'll be like any other disease in the end. Right. So if you, if you get the flu in school, you go home. <laughs> yeah. Or you don't come into school in the first place and you stay home for a few days and then it clears up. So I'd imagine that'll shorten. But it's interesting because I don't think before COVID we thought about that. It was like you don't go to school because you don't yeah. feel great. But we That's never right. really thought about like, please protect other people by yeah. keeping yourself out of circulation. But the bottom line is, this is the sad part, Stephanie. This is another reason to die. It's a new disease has come along. Yeah. And it's as if we've discovered a brand new disease afflicting humans and it joins the list of diseases now forever. Okay. Yeah. And it's another infection, just like HIV was another infectious disease, and there will be more, you know. So it'll join the list of respiratory illnesses. It'll be cropping up in the wintertime. Some will get it. Most will be immune through the vaccines for a period. Mm-hmm. Natural infection is giving immunity. And then it's just another reason to stay home. Let's but do you think like in, I'm going to say five years time, it's normal winter, I go to my doctor with a cough and I'm like, oh, I need an antibiotic like I used to do pre-COVID. Do you think people will just be tested for COVID all the time now? Yeah, or not at all. I mean, if, if you turn up at your doctor with the flu, cold, they don't test you for flu, you know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. It's another respiratory disease with symptoms, you know, and then you just take paracetamol and stuff. But home, like yeah. if, if you go to a doctor and you have a chest infection or you have a yeah. cold, they don't say you need to isolate. No, they don't. That's right. They just say take paracetamol every four hours, lie down. That's true. Yeah, it'll, it'll be the same. Now, what might happen here is the aggressive vaccination campaign could eliminate it. Like smallpox. Really? And really get rid of it down to tiny, tiny levels. And there'll be pockets in the world where it will crop up now and again, you know. And then, and that might mean it goes away. There's a chance of that. But wouldn't that only be the case if we were vaccinating while in lockdown? Like the fact that we're vaccinating and the vaccinated people are mixing with the non-vaccinated people and the virus is still circulating means that we're never really going to be able to get on top of it. Well, this is the dreaded herd immunity. Remember that great phrase, which we we don't like actually. As immunologists, we don't use it very much. But the fact of the matter is if 90% are vaccinated, that gets rid of the virus. But not if the the waning, like if the time, if your vaccine or your immunity by being infected is only only lasts a couple of months because that means that everyone is coming out of that period at different times and becoming they vulnerable are, again. But let's say only 10% of the population is infected okay. out of 100, okay? That's a very low level and it's unlikely to spread all over the place, you know. And even though the vaccines are waning a bit, there's still some protection there, you see. So it becomes a numbers game eventually. And finally, the number of cases then will drop and drop and drop, you see. And eventually, the number of cases might get so low that it's very hard to catch it off someone. So if you get on the dart and one person in a thousand is infected, you're in the different carriage to them. You know? Okay, okay. See what I'm saying? So no, it hasn't got many. Now that person might infect two or three people around them and they might infect others. But, mm-hmm. but it gets diluted the whole time, you see, which is the good thing. And then the, the best thing about the immune system is it, will, it may not get rid of the infectious agent entirely, but it lowers the dose in your body, remember. So the viral load is less. The virus is still there, but there's maybe a tenth of what it would have been before you were vaccinated. And then you're not spreading as much because there's less virus for you to spread, you see. Um, are the vaccines still as effective even though they've shortened the gap between doses? Well, there's a that's a good question as well. There's talk of widening the gap actually because then Pfizer probably works better if you widen the gap a bit. You see an even stronger response. To so, how many weeks? Well, I think they're talking about even 12 weeks, that kind of gap now. Oh, wow, okay. But what's very important here is if you get a third shot, mm-hmm. 
by God, that drives the immune system hard. You know, you know the way it works. So, so the first shot wakes up the immune system. Yeah. The second shot roars at it to get it really fully awake. A third shot is like loudspeakers roaring at it, you know, and it's amazing boost. I mean, we, this is over decades, you can see this. Some, some vaccines are three and four shots anyway, you know. Yeah. It really works as, as the booster protocol is a great way to get it going. So I would predict a third, let's say you're in your 60s. Uh, or if you're younger and you, you're immunodeficient or whatever it is, and you're now on the booster campaign, that third shot could give you years of protection. Is, that would is, is be the amazing. Yeah. That's the hope. Now, we, don't, we need more evidence for that, but that, that's not unreasonable to what say What countries that. have started their booster campaign already? Israel yeah. have started. They've done about 20% already. They started with the over 60s. They're now doing the over 40s. So they're really going fast through their population as, as a booster and then the US is about to start most countries are going to start in late September and so then is it like are Israel planning to do we'll do the booster now under 40s then under oh, the way we've gone down and then we're going to like close these vaccination centres we're going to just yeah. go back to our lives and I read a really good commentary by an Israeli immunologist saying don't tell me we've got to keep doing it every six months <laughs> yeah because that's the fear now there isn't a single infectious disease that you give a vaccine every six months because if you give a third boost that will give much longer protection than the second. You know what I mean? And that's the hope here as well. So so really the reality, they may not go to the under 40s because the evidence there is if you're under 40, you haven't waned. You know, you don't need a booster because the two shots has worked fine in your body because you're so active and your immune system is very active. So I suspect they may not go to the under 40s. And certainly they shouldn't um, if the developing world needs the, their supply desperately. That's yeah, an ethical question. It's an ethical question. Katrina, um, I got the Janssen or Janssen vaccine recently. I heard yesterday that Ireland will no longer be ordering them. Do you think Ireland will reorder Janssen in the future if booster jabs are needed? Well, I wouldn't think so. No, I think she can be boosted with an mRNA now. As long as Pfizer and Moderna deliver on their promise, that'll be the vaccine that will be used to boost in every case. So this person has just asked, what is the story with infections in vaccinated people? Yes, that's the key question we're having now, isn't it? Well, as I say, it's not that surprising, even though I may have built up your hopes in our previous chat. Um, It can happen for all kinds of reasons, remember. The first reason is the vaccine didn't work in the person. Okay, now why wouldn't a vaccine work in the person? They might have been slightly immunodeficient that day for whatever reason. You know, they may have an underlying disease you don't know about, and that limits the vaccine's efficacy. A good example there is Could in the Israel. Could the vaccine have been stored badly? You never know, or maybe the needle slipped. I don't know. You know, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're written that's unlikely. But now in Israel, they've noticed it's the over sixties who are vaccinated in hospital. Look at that group for a minute. Okay, so there are people over sixty in Israel who are fully vaccinated, ending up in hospital. Most of them have some of the disease, cancer arthritis so there's something else that's defective in them and therefore the vaccines haven't worked properly you know, the va- and the virus breaks through you see so that's the reason why we see these breakthrough infections it isn't a case that if you're everybody is, should worry about this mm-hmm. it's a minority of vaccinated people will are at risk of infection and then within that minority another minority will progress into the disease you see and the last thing to say on this that people should always there's better therapies now in hospital Okay, yeah. And you see, people used to ask, because that's what I work on. You know, my area is therapeutics. They say, why are you bothering? These vaccines are great. You know, and I'm going, well, yeah, they are great, but there's still a risk. There are some, and, the un- and you want to treat the people who are unvaccinated. You wouldn't not treat them in hospital, you know. Mm-hmm. So the therapeutics got much better. And this antibody therapy is working great. You give people antibodies, a bit like the mother in the milk in a way. You can, you can yeah. use antibodies as a drug. And that's where it was approved in the UK last week to give that to people in hospital. That was the one that Trump got. As you might have said, experimental. Oh, yeah, when he said nothing was happening. Yeah. So So are you, I mean, you're always positive, but like, are things going well? Very well, because of our level of vaccination, the usual mantra, you know, in spite of our concerns about getting infected if you're vaccinated, uh, as I've explained, that's not a huge worry at the moment. 
Have you Ireland. been indoor dining? Ireland is number three in the world now for our vaccination campaign. Isn't that amazing? We should be very proud of ourselves. We, that's, we that's should great. be proud of ourselves, but it's um, also like, we also should be like... Do you want to hear something? And this is me now blowing smoke up my own WhatsApp. So on, I sent a tweet out yesterday because I got the data because I'm following all the data. And 25% vaccinated. Ireland's 15th in the world, really, if you look at the numbers carefully, which is a great, of all countries now. Leo Varadkar re- retweeted it. Isn't that nice? Oh, wow. The <laughs> tallest has retweeted unless, unless that's you. some troll impersonating him. Anyway. Um, it's definitely not. Isn't, like, that, isn't that nice? So, so we can be very proud of ourselves, really. And we give the HSE a big pat on the back. for this. No, the, the last, I am, remain as ever, we're in the, heading in the right direction. Uh, if we didn't have the vaccines, Delta would be causing carnage in this country. Yeah, I think about that sometimes. And in like, the US, we're seeing that. So Delta's running rampant in an unvaccinated population. The hospitals are full in Florida. It's scenes of carnage over there. What's going to happen in Australia and New Zealand and how did that turn? So they had really good, like if you're, if you are trying to achieve zero COVID, like Delta is not your friend. Like I had had a call this morning with one of my Australian fellow scientists. Yeah. He is miserable because he can't leave Australia, first of all. And he's stuck Can he there. leave his house? They have serious he, lockdowns. They have a severe, he's in Melbourne. He said yesterday they've announced a full lockdown to the end of October. That's like we were in the thick of ours. All oh the shops closed. Everywhere closed, he says. You can go to shops to buy your food, like we had, you know, yeah. it's stringent. And he said, this is horrendous. It's their third lockdown. They've got to 50% of the population have one shot. So they're in the right direction. Mm-hmm. There's vaccine hesitancy there because it's not seen as a serious disease. The downside of having no COVID around is people don't care about it. They, you know, they won't turn up for their vaccines. You see, big public information campaign get the vaccine. So, so they're, but they're really in a bad place. Now they're going to be just getting the vaccine to get out of lockdown. Oh, this is it exactly like precisely yeah, the misery of lockdown would incentivize them to be vaccinated. I suppose at know? the end of October. Oh my God! If end I was looking October. down the lens of an eight-week lockdown, well, I don't know. What well, I, I said that so we went through all that. We got through it okay, you know, but it is just like we had. No households mixing, 5K rule, the full Monty. Stop, you know. you're triggering me. Isn't it awful? Yeah, no, we remember that, don't we? <laughs> it was <laughs> horrendous. I know. I do that feel sorry never come for back them. here now. We'll, ne- we'll never have another lockdown is my prediction. Are you sure? We may have one or two restrictions. Yeah. Uh, now, it's hard to predict, you know, but but I think yeah, lockdowns are such a crude, unscientific Denial Hammer of human of rights things to do, you yeah. know, and they were justified, of course. I wouldn't go against them at the time. But. And I had a woman who runs a charity event ask me the other day, when will she be able to hold a charity event for 450 people in like a dinner situation? If they're all vaccinated today, if I was in charge. Yes, but you're not in charge. <laughs> uh, full vaccination. Indoors. To do it indoors, yeah. Now, once the viral count goes down in our community. Do you think that the government, like, will the public health be in line with your vision there. I believe our friend Tony said he wants electric picnics to go ahead. He did, but electric picnics is outdoors, right? That is outdoors, yeah, that's true, yeah. But an an indoor event with hundreds, indoor entertainment will come back. That'll be the sign. But with social distancing. They'll allow three, four hundred people to go to a theatre or a gig, I would predict. Probably wearing masks will still be the thing and ensure good events, the usual things. Yeah. That'll be the, I, I suspect maybe on Tuesday they'll announce that. Actually, I'm not sure what the number will be, but they'll announce, they'll announce the restarting of indoor activities yeah. with, with public health guidelines. Have you been indoor dining yet? I have. How Indeed. was it? Very nice. Yes, I was a bit miserable, actually. Yes. Was it? I went out last Friday week 
to a pizza place in Grand Canal and it was just the four of us the place was empty oh, on yeah. a Friday night I go what the hell I thought Friday nights would be coming back but um, a little bit too and are you still a celeb around town uh, that's a lesson thanks Felicia thank God that's a lesson now. people so, are people, are, people stop shouting at me now, so that's the main thing. and have you had much kickback like have you had many anti-vaxxers after oh sure constant I never see it though because I block all that you know and I don't bother but in person that, like oh yeah on the street that's it, maybe once every two or three weeks someone might shout at me something offensive something offensive I just put my thumb up and say thanks very much yeah. <laughs> just take it as a compliment yeah, I think it's a compliment have That's you right. been on a plane yet I have went to London on Monday and I was overjoyed with myself how, how was the flying experience we can well I turned up at the airport I was on a Covid essential travel anyway even though I could have gone I suppose uh, and I didn't know what to expect and I, first of all I thought oh I haven't filled in my passenger location form right yeah. I, and I, tr- I couldn't fill it you couldn't do it it kept blocking me not blocking me but anyway I kept getting diverted and then I got to the check-in gate and the woman didn't ask for it she said no you don't need them and I said, do you want to see me vaccine? So, no. So when yeah, you go to the, to the UK, UK it's, it's just like I was before the pandemic. You turn up, you, board, you, you show your boarding pass, you get on the plane. Coming back, you show the vaccine cert and you fill in the passenger location form. So there's a bit of a difference there, isn't it, going back and forth? Yeah, and then the government texts you. And the say, government texts yeah, text, exactly. Are yeah. you still where you said you'd be? That's right. And on the plane, it was very nice. I was sitting there, had a cup of tea and landed in London. And London was normal. In London I, is 2019 again. I couldn't have again. told any difference. Half the people weren't wearing masks. No. Which, Which makes me, me now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I've got I'm a zealot now. So why are there? Well, because it's not, it's not gone, like lads. It's not gone. That's well. You see, the UK have decided we've got a high level of vaccination. Let it run now and see what happens. And accept. A and level what is of, happening of over illness there? Illness and death. They're accept like they do with flu, like we do with traffic accidents, like whatever you know. In other Personal words, it's another reason to die, and we just got to live with it. That seems to be their their. Um, and how is it going numbers wise? I've stopped following them. Well, again, the cases have gone up just like here. There are more hospitalizations, but the death rate isn't especially escalating, or the severe illness isn't either. So that's mm-hmm. great. But as ever, we got to keep an eye on the damn thing. This, they're very worried about this weekend. I just saw this morning, bank holiday weekend. Lots of events are happening: music right. festivals, outdoor stuff, people traveling all over the country, and they're wondering now what's going to happen after that. So, so are again, you it's still a bit fragile. Are you concerned at all about the pictures you see after the All Ireland, after the the GAA stuff, or do you think, look, fair play, we just need to open back up? If they're all, if there's a, let's assume that the level of vaccination is the same as nationally. It was, I think, last weekend it was about eighty. Well, it won't two or be though, because percent. a lot of these people have kids with them. Well, that's the next question. Yeah. So, so, but if there's a reasonable, I'm hoping that all the adults are vaccinated in that crowd, then I'm less worried. And if kids are there, as we just discussed, it's a benign disease in children. So you, you could live with that kind of thing, you know. Now, if there's a low level of vaccination in that crowd, I'm much more nervous with Delta mm-hmm. being around. Uh, and especially with people in crowds. For We know the same rules apply. You definitely avoid the three Cs, which we had at the very start of this. Crowds, close contact, you know. Uh, yeah, but it was slightly unnerving. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. But we, I think we have to proceed like that. Yeah. We've got to take risks with these things and see what happens. Now, I know there's a risk of illness and death and I'd never downplay the seriousness, but we've got to see, you know, and let's hope there may be an increase in cases because of that, but they shouldn't progress into hospitalisations and severe disease. And severe disease, yeah. And do you think that schools reopening is going to see an increase? So we expect to see an increase in cases, but not hospitalisation. That's right. There will be an increase because the schools open. The more people move around, it's not rocket science, is it? The virus spreads between people. So groups of kids in classrooms the moving from schools to home and all that kind of thing means more spread it has to go up a bit mm-hmm. and now how high is it going to go up is the next question and then the next question is how many of those kids might get sick yeah because now we know it's a tiny percentage so that's hopeful you see 
Now the risk is then bringing it home and then infecting vulnerable. They're all protected. Remember those vulnerable people. But they you, need a booster. You said. Well, you would advise the vulnerable people now in this period to still take precautions in the next few weeks. Really. Yeah. Like they were before. Because increasing numbers, like even if you just do maths on it, increasing numbers will lead to hospitalizations right. and death. Now, dis- not in the same proportions it used to. Well, again, great data there from the UK versus the US, yeah. where you, you could see before before the vaccination campaign, case numbers and hospitalizations were perfectly in parallel. Okay. It's now separated massively. Right. So, so cases have gone up and hospitalizations have been pretty flat. Have been flat. So we know then that, that the vaccines are protecting people from, from severe disease is what that data tells us and that's holding up tremendously well. Do you think that, um, and I'll leave you on this, do you think that coming into winter now, right now, you couldn't tell that it's coming into winter based on today, but coming into winter with flu and all of those other diseases and things being open up that we're going to see, basically I've noticed a lot of people who are who have coughs and colds at the moment Maybe because their immune systems haven't experienced a germ in the last year and a half, but that we're going to see different illnesses that are not pandemic-like, but that people might get a little bit sicker this winter. Well, you're seeing them standing because you're obsessed with it. <laughs> Maybe there isn't that many more. <laughs> no, but I wonder, if they, I mean, I think, yeah, we, we do have a tiny concern there that there'll be a flu pandemic. Epidemic. I, I wouldn't use that word because it sounds like everybody... There will be an outbreak of flu this winter that'll be higher than previous winters simply because we're all mixing and mingling more, you know. And and then the hope is the hospitals... Can, every winter the hospitals have trouble with trouble that. flu anyway. you know. And, and, and the reason, as you correctly say, we haven't been exposed to flu for a year and a half now. And any immunity we had would have waned to it slightly, you see. Getting yeah. back to the waning idea. So get your flu jab. Get your flu jab if you're vulnerable. for the, Absolutely. And get it with the same time as the COVID jab and then you'll be protected. I had a final question there, which was, do you think that they'll stop the test, like the, they'll stop testing for COVID? Yeah. When? Soon, I hope. Yeah. Because I, but I also know a lot of people who, not a lot of people, but like, so for example, my wedding, two people, uh, one of them had the week before felt a little bit unwell, thought it was a hangover. Then, so went to work as normal, mm. but was like, oh, I have a hangover. Then, middle of the week his wife lost her sense of taste and smell which apparently is a bigger sign of Delta that that's yep. happening more frequently and then um, he got tested and he was positive she got tested she was positive Five, three kids all positive but none of them had any symptoms so mm. they had just been walking around asymptomatic uh, that if we stop testing for that mm. yeah, that we're driving it more well Yet again, as, as I've said several times, if we can be sure that 90% of the yeah, other are yeah. vaccinated, we need to, we, the worries begin to go away about all these things in a sense. But you still need to isolate. Well, you, well yeah, I mean, again... Just out of a sense of duty. Well, you're supposed to isolate. You've got, you've got, remember the guidelines if you're, if you're in an office environment, stay home when you have a cold. Don't, don't be obsessed with work because you spread it around the office. You know? Yeah. That was the guidelines with colds and flus anyway. It'll be the same with this, I predict. You know? Okay. Maybe in this year ahead of us, it'll be more stringent because we're still badly beaten up. You mm-hmm. know? And then gradually we begin to forget about it, watch over time. Unless, I can't wait to forget about unless, it. Unless, as we've said several times, another variant crops up. Are there any of interest that you're Loads watching? There's at least 120 they're watching at the moment. Ah, Jesus. Now. These are called variants of interest, not of concern. Let's make that clear. And is there like an interim where they are moving slightly towards concern with any of them? Uh, in the la- what they do is they, they spot a variant. Mm-hmm. 
And the UK have to have got to get credit. They're very good at spotting them. They've got a great genomics yeah. technology. To, to spot a variant, you've got to t- isolate them. Let's say you're a positive for COVID, but I'll take a sample from you. I'll sequence your virus now and I'll compare it to the database of viruses. If it looks a bit different, it's called a variant. Okay. Then I say, what's changed in this variant? Can I spot the... The recipe has changed mm-hmm. slightly. And that's what counts. If the spike is changing, oh, hang on a minute, now the spike has changed. That's an important part that's changing. There's, there's, a, there's about 33 proteins that the virus makes. Right. And they, if they're changing, then you wonder, what does that mean? Then they go into a lab. They test it to see if it can infect cells. They knew Delta immediately, actually, was about 10 times better able to penetrate a lung cell in a dish because compared to good. Alpha. And that yeah. frightened them. They noticed that they put Alpha and Delta together in the dish, Delta one every time. So that was the evidence begins to emerge then. This is a bit more troublesome. And then the next thing they do is they, they test blood from someone who's vaccinated to see if it can stop the Delta getting into cells. And there was a decrease in efficacy of the antibodies. Right. And then it becomes a variant of concern. And then they watch it closely. But the main feature was the transmissibility. And it's pretty much Delta everywhere now, isn't it? Oh, the whole world is now Delta. There's yeah, no Alpha uh, anymore. Hardly any left behind. Right. So we wa- keep an eye on that. I'll let you get back to your lab to saving the world, Luke. Thank you, Stephanie. You're very kind to allow me to go back to my lab. You're now, very kind two minutes away. for coming in. Um, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Basically. I'm sure it has been a joy as all of the ones with Luke are. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahlo Gower. We're produced by Tara McCamley and the Head Stuff Podcast Network. And I'm very grateful to you for listening. Please share it with a friend or share it on your Instagram stories. You know the drill. Thanks so much for listening. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.